0: This is the Spark Podcast, a bi-weekly show where we explore the creativity, technology, and business of CG. I'm your host, Marina Antunes. Star Trek Enterprise, Star Wars Clone Wars, The Last Guardian video game, global ad campaigns for Mercedes-Benz, Apple, Canon, Honda, and Sony, That's a pretty glowing resume. Composer Takeshi Furukawa's music has accompanied some of the world's most recognizable images across a varying range of disciplines, from commercials to television. So how does this award-winning composer stay focused and creative? Let's find out. Since we have a little bit of time, I kind of wanted to go back to the early days and the very young composer to be. Um, I read somewhere that one of the things that inspired you to be going to composing was watching Jurassic Park. Um, And I'm wondering, did you always have in your mind that you would be doing something with music? Because I understand you were playing a lot of instruments when you were a child. What was it specifically that what are things that came together to to make you think, that's what I want to do for a living?
1: Sure. So uh, Jurassic Park was indeed um, probably the biggest catalyst for me to want to pursue this as a career. I mean, I think for a lot of composers, uh, a little bit older than myself, um, Star Wars seems to have been like the it film that turned on um, a lot of people into the world of film composing. But um, for people my age, um, or at least for me, it was Jurassic Park. And um, I think uh, to answer your question, I've always wanted to, or I always aspire to um, have a vocation, have a career in the music field. Because, um, as you said, uh, I was playing a lot of instruments um, since I was small. But uh, what really kind of, um, again, did it for me was, you know, the, the magic, the movie magic, Jurassic Park, just um, being like a 13-year-old boy, seeing dinosaurs, uh, you know, the, the fantasy element of the film with the uh, majestic score of, of John Williams, uh, all those things clicking together. And I was like, okay, well, that's that's awesome. I want to do that. And it was actually like a a eureka moment because I had always been thinking, you know, um, I I think I was a little bit precocious for for my age back then, where I was thinking like, okay, well, how does one manage to make a career out of music? And um, something clicked. You know, I was like, oh, wait, you know, movies, uh, media—that's like the uh, entertainment medium of today, just as how opera. Uh, was back then. So, uh, you know, for us composers these days, like big movie studios or uh, game companies, those are our clients. Those are our patrons who would uh, essentially pay us to be able to make a living doing music. So there you go. That's kind of how I started in this field.
0: And how, like, how did you actually get your foot in the door? Did you start with, you know, doing independent film or did you jump right into commercials? Because I know you have a background, quite an extensive background doing all sorts of things, which I think is really fascinating too.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, well, so I went to uh, college, studied music. Um, one of the things that um, I was aware of is that in today's age, you know, it's not enough just to be able to write beautiful melodies and harmonies with pencil on paper uh, you need to be able to use technology and um, realize what's in your mind and communicate it to your clients uh, which is um, you know we use software we use computer technology to um, mock things up and so I went to school for that learned it because until um, until I actually went to college I had not owned a synthesizer. I didn't know what uh, Pro Tools was. Pro Tools is one of the main um, programs that we use. So I went and studied that. And straight out of college, uh, the first thing I did was I went to work for an established composer, uh, which I thought was really important. You know, um, If you were, for example, to pursue violin making, then you would uh, apprentice with a master craftsman, um, an established artisan. And um, I thought music is no different. You know, it, it really helps to be able to learn from your predecessors the um especially people who are considered masters of their craft
0: and and so when once you've done your apprenticeship and you kind of you're feeling comfortable are you are you working and still making music too, sort of to, to sort of get the creative juices going or how does that work exactly while you're doing your apprenticeship are you just concentrating on the work that you're doing or are you also starting to work and create compositions for yourself
1: sure um so uh the apprenticeship, um, essentially, you know, it's, uh, apprenticeship uh, makes it sound good. It's you're, you're working as an assistant for an established composer. And that's what I did. And the job description entails everything, um, from, you know, getting coffee to running errands to, um, if, uh, once you, you know, um, move forward, um, in your, your, um, apprenticeship, then you get to start writing cues, uh, for whatever show you're, you know, uh, the guy you're working for is working on so that was my job description then you know like I, I would essentially do anything that was required of me but slowly but surely little by little uh, what I would be doing would more be writing be orchestrating and that's how you um, hone one's craft and from there you kind of just take one thing at, one, one thing at a time uh, one thing leads to another and just keep on writing music
0: so what, tell us about your first job. What was your first job that, that, that you did that you composed the music and you were like, OK, that was really cool. This is exactly what I want to do. And I know I'm in the right place.
1: Um, it's not exactly composing, but this is a memorable uh, one for me. The first thing that I did working as an assistant, which was music related, was I was orchestrating. Um, it was an orchestration. Uh, job on, back then there was a Star Trek series called Star Trek Enterprise. And the composer for that was um, Kevin Kiner and Dennis McCarthy. They were the composers on it. But uh, they very generously said, hey, you want to orchestrate? And I was able to um, take their piano sketches and expand it into an orchestra. And one week later, you're at Paramount Stage M with a hundred piece orchestra in front of you, hearing what you worked on. So it was it was an amazing uh, first uh, dive into
0: this. Your uh, your background is very steeped in, you know, science fiction and, you know, you've done video games and animation. Um, is that something that you enjoy in your personal time as well? Uh, it's, it's curious to me that it seems be, there seems to be a little bit of a through line through your work.
1: It's, uh, I, I'm not making any conscious choices. Uh, maybe it's just the universe trying to tell me something, <laughs> but um, you, you are not incorrect. It seems to be that um, having had the immense privilege to work on shows such as um, Star Trek Enterprise and um, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the animated series, um, up to you know, my most recent uh, project was a video game, um, which again is in the science fiction um, fantasy world. Yeah, you're, you're right, you know, it seems to be that I'm kind of steeped in that world
0: how does it work? Take a step-by-step on how it works when you're creating a, a project. And I'm, I'm curious whether that approach and the way that you tackle projects changes, whether you're working on a television show or something like a video game, like what are the things that are different on the way you approach a, a project? And what are the things that are the same?
1: Um, so on the high level, the first thing we have to do is we have to listen. Um, And by that, I mean, you know, as composers, we're naturally inclined to try to speak our voice. But we can't forget that whenever we take on a project, we are trying to solve a problem. Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say solve a problem. We're trying to supply music to a higher cause, whether it be a video game or TV show, which is someone else's project. So um, we have to listen to what they're looking for. We need to figure out what it is that they want out of the music um, for their particular project. And from there, you know, it's, uh, it's the initial conversations uh, really give us an answer to that sometimes um, they're very clear they say okay this is exactly what I want this this and this but don't do this Um, other times it's a little bit more abstract and they or they might say you know I actually really don't know what I want but when I hear it I'll know it then it's your um, it's your job to kind of you know solve that puzzle but um, that's the first step so uh, listening and kind of coming up with what needs to be done on a particular project. But from there on, you know, it's just a composing process. Once you're able to hone in on what the target is, um, then you just start writing.
0: I find that really fascinating, this idea that you're conceptualizing something that sometimes we can't even put into words. And to me, that's just such an amazing talent. What have been sort of, how do you get over, like how do you sometimes find, like is there some like some tools or some um some approach that you have to kind of finding your way when you're having a difficult time? Like if, if you have a project that, you know, you're having a difficult time sort of finding your way in, is there something specific or some specific way that you tackle it to kind of find your in?
1: Yeah. So I'm not sure if this exactly answered your question. Uh, sorry if I'm taking a roundabout way, but I, I think um, our biggest, or at least for me, my biggest quote unquote enemy is myself, where the self critic in myself or the self editor. you know i I can uh, music a lot to it, it's um it's like writing, I think a, a book where um oftentimes you know people would say, Oh, you know, it's just amazing. I don't know how you write music. That seems such like a foreign language to me. And um, funny enough, I say, you know, it's actually really like a foreign language. Once you learn the quote unquote language of music, composing music is like writing a novel in, say, French or Italian. Um, So uh, if you were to liken the composition process to, say, you know, writing a a novel, then um, obviously there's the the editor. There's the self-editor in you, where you're always kind of you know blocking yourself, saying, "Hey, you know, Takeshi, this is a bad idea." Hey, Takeshi, this this doesn't sound good. Um, and I think sometimes that could be your worst enemy, especially when you're against the deadline. Um, so now to get back to your original question, um, whenever you're kind of having a writer's block or um, you know having a hard time trying to overcome a certain scene, um, I think the best thing to do is just to clear your head once and actually turn off that voice um, and throw <laughs> throw stuff against the wall is what I do actually. And uh, From there, I will, you know, find something to grasp onto. Um,
0: let's talk a little bit about uh, The Last Guardian, which in the span of your career, you've done so many things, but that seems to have been like a major, major highlight. Um, how did you come to that project?
1: Um, so like any other project, um, it, it came via introduction of uh, a personal connection. Um, you know, you always say, you always hear that in this industry, it's it's about who you know, and um, it's a people business. Um, it was exactly the case with The Last Guardian as well. I had uh, long been um, uh, friends with uh, one of the music producers over at Sony Music. And uh, as you know, The Last Guardian is a Sony computer entertainment game. So they were, looking to audition composers and um, Tommy Kikuchi, the music producer said, Hey, you know, Takashi, I think you might be great for this project. So why don't you just throw your name in the hat and send us a demo? And um, that's what got me the gig.
0: Oh, wow. So what were, what would you say was the major challenge in composing that basically a video game and that game in particular?
1: Um, I think the biggest challenge was being just self aware of the amount of anticipation the video game fans um, had for that particular title. Um, The director of that title is, you know, considered a a star auteur director in the video game world, and it was very highly anticipated. So, um, you know, to put it really bluntly, you know, here's me, a relatively unknown composer, um, who was just given the opportunity of his lifetime, um, scoring this big title. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, how do I live up to uh, the, the scope of this project, especially because his previous, the director's two previous games um, have been critically acclaimed. And the composers on those titles, uh, the soundtrack has been critically acclaimed as well. So I had ginormous shoes to fill, and that was a big challenge.
0: <laughs> well, I think you did a fantastic job of it. And that certainly opened up some more doors for you, too, right?
1: Oh, thank you. You're too kind. Um, yes, fortunately, uh, I think um, you know I didn't fail miserably on that. Uh, so yeah, that has led to uh, additional work. <laughs>
0: um, let's talk actually about some addition, some of that additional work, and specifically what you're working on most recently, which was uh, Mythic Quest, which is this hilarious little show, which I think very um, unassumingly dropped on Apple Plus, and uh, I took a look at it because it was based in the world of video games and I thought well this sounds like it could be fun and it kind of it seems like the perfect project for you because it brings pretty much everything that you've worked on into one thing like you have the video game aspect and you actually have like in-game footage and you have you you know your television aspect and there's some animation thrown in how difficult how challenging is it to score a show like this?
1: Um, So, yeah, first off, uh, Mythic Quest was one of the uh, fortuitous uh, byproducts of, you know, coming off the tales of uh, The Last Guardian. Um, I had finished The Last Guardian, which was a game, and uh, as you mentioned, Mythic Quest, the subject matter, takes place in a video game studio. So when it came time for uh, Rob, Rob McElhenney, the creator and the showrunner, to select a composer um, he was looking in the video game domain and um, I believe my name was pitched uh, via my agent amongst others and I got the gig. Um, but uh, because of the subject matter, you know, it's, it's a video game. Uh, it's a comedy series that takes place in a video game studio. And the actual underscore in the series is it's video game music. It's as if the music of Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. The fictional video game in the show um, kind of took a step outside of the game and became the show's underscore. Um, so you know, it's it's not difficult. I'm just I'm just writing video game music, and they um, put it against the, the show, and it works. And it's I'm having a blast.
0: <laughs> I love it when things that you don't expect will go together actually go together. And does that does that happen often? The, this um, this sort of fortuitous. Maybe not an accident, but these these strange coincidences when you're working on something that you think might not work, and then you look at, back at it, you know, with fresh eyes, and you're like, okay, well, I didn't think these thing- two things went together, but they do.
1: Oh, Marina, I'm all about the fortuitous accidents. That's what I rely on and pray pray to the fortuitous accident deities.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. So I, I I'm also curious about you know you're you're working you're, you're you've got all these gigs you're doing these jobs. How are you, how do you keep yourself um, creative and fresh? Like, do you listen to different music? Do you do something that's not music related to keep the creative juices flowing? Like, how do you sort of keep yourself uh, motivated and sane and creative?
1: Sure. Uh, So I try to uh, reserve time for myself to uh, input, um, you know, where as composers, we're always outputting stuff Um, creative output is what we get paid to do but i think it's equally important to uh do the reverse of that um and by which i mean you know watch films play games read books um just anything that you could um broaden your life experience with you travel too you know or eat delicious food Um, i think one of the most important things as composer is to be able to say um or just have um that, that experience level and a level of sophistication when it comes to music. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm explaining it correctly. I, I There's probably a more eloquent way of saying it, but see, in, in short, you're going to have a problem if there's someone um, in the room who has better musical taste than you because, you know, it's, it's kind of like being a chef. Um, if you're trying to cook someone food, but your audience has a more refined palette than you, then, you know, that's not going to work out really well. So um, as a composer, you kind of have to be in the same shoe. You just have to make sure you're always on top of your game, listening to the newest music, um, you know, knowing what's in, knowing what's out, uh, just getting a lot of input.
0: And uh, finally, if you had something that, you know, one tip that you could give to, you know, a young you or a young composer that's just starting out, what would that be?
1: I think, oh, that's a hard one. Um, I, I think I would tell my young self not to worry too much and not to be too harsh of a critic. Um, early on in my career, I think I had some uh, difficulty letting go um, of my music. You know, uh, as, as we all are, I guess, uh, when our heart's really in it. You know, these the musical creations are our babies. So sometimes it's hard to let go and we get too precious with it. Uh, I would definitely tell myself looking back, you know, just, hey, take it easy. Don't, you know, it's not going to kill you. Um, learn to let go.
0: And that's my conversation with composer Takeshi Furukawa. His most recent project, Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet, is now streaming on Apple TV+. The Spark Podcast is a production of the Spark Computer Graphics Society. For more about SparkCG and our upcoming events, visit sparkcg.org. We'll be back with another episode of the podcast in two weeks' time.